Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Jones. Today, talking uh, uh, about where the Buffs fit in in the Pac-12. This is timely for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, because there will be no non-conference season. The Pac-12 announced uh, late last week. Talked to Rick George yesterday. If you haven't had a chance to hear what happened there, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. That'll have a whole bunch of details on that kind of stuff. Uh, But um, I want to spend a little bit more time uh, on this Athlon Sports College Football Preview. Um, Really recommend it. Let's just start there. Um, Because it's just a quick way to get all the way caught up on everything that's going on across the Pac-12. And sometimes that's kind of tough to do. Because... There is so much turnover in college football every year, and typically, you know, it's the seniors who leave, and that means it's typically your best players who leave. Um, And so it is good to just get a little bit of a refresher, see what the outside perspectives are. Um, The the Phil Steele college football preview comes out. I I think they're shipping them starting tomorrow, Um, and... Uh, that's another really good one, and I do think it's kind of important to be looking around and reading a couple different previews, um, just because every one of them is going to be wrong. And they're, for the most part, going to be wrong in different ways. Nobody's going to be totally right about everything. You know, this says that the 10 bowl games, you know, they have you playing Oklahoma State in the Alamo Bowl. I have Oregon and Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. Um... The Rose Bowl must be in the college football playoff this year um, because uh, it's not in here. And I didn't realize that, but I guess it would be time for them to be a part of that rotation. Um, so uh, the, the point is they aren't going to pick all these matchups right. They aren't going to pick all the games right. And they aren't even going to be able to rank all of the players correctly. But they do try. Um, and, and we're going to dig in. And there have been some like notes from Phil Steele that have come out. Uh, which I think are kind of interesting, especially when you're trying to compare um, these teams against each other. Um, and that's what we're going to do in the first segment. I've got a bit of a 
s- conspiracy theory really going on in the second segment that should be kind of fun. Uh, yeah, uh, it should be a little bit lighthearted. Hopefully, we aren't talking about coronavirus outside of right now when I say Colorado Buffaloes pick sixth in the uh, Pac-12 South to go three and nine overall, one and eight in the Pac-12. Can throw that three and nine number out because there is no non-conference season, and uh, now that's gone, we don't even have to bring up that three and nine anymore. Coronavirus free day from here on out. But first. I do need to tell you more about our friends over at Manscaped who are taking care of all of the men at DNVR and, you know, honestly kind of taking care of the women in the own their own way that we don't really need to dig into. Uh, but they have so many great products. The Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, um, the the body wash. I mean, everything that you could be looking for, they'll have. They'll have the trimmer. Um, I recommend getting two of them, one for... Uh, below the belt, one for above it, and uh, again, it's just the best trimmer I've ever owned. It's just a very good product. If you guys want to check those out, you can go to manscaped.com, use the code DMVR20 when you check out, save yourself 20%, get yourself free shipping. It's a great, great deal. Um, Let's jump in. So, here is a... Kind of the broad overview. Again, Colorado picked to go 1-8 and eight in the Pac-12. I don't think they go through... No, they don't go through and pick which games um, are going to be won by who. Um, but, you know, if, if we want to do just a bit of deductive reasoning to kick this off, you look through the schedule, uh, which, which now starts with Oregon. Um, Oregon comes to... F- Folsom, uh, supposed to be September 26th. We'll see if that gets moved. Um, then the Buffs go to Arizona. They're home against UCLA, home against Arizona State, at USC, home against Washington State, at Stanford, at Washington, Utah. When you look through those um, and, and try to pick out the games that Colorado has the best shot in, um, you know, I would start with the home games. You know, at Arizona, I think is very winnable. But you're going to the desert. That's not going to be easy with a young team. First road trip for uh, potentially Brendan Lewis at quarterback. Let's just stick to the home games and call those the most winnable. And if we're trying to pick the one win, you key in on UCLA. You key in on Washington State. Both of those very winnable. Um, I would guess that they gave Colorado the win over... UCLA. Um, let's see. They have them going three and six in the Pac-12. Washington State three and six as well. Um, but those are kind of where they're looking at. I would assume. What I found most interesting is uh, the 2020 unit rankings, um, where they go through and rank the quarterbacks, the receivers. Uh, uh, the the running backs, the offensive line, defensive, you know, all the position groups um, from 1 to 12 for each team in the Pac-12, and um, they don't like Colorado. And see, this is where, you uh, yesterday when I was driving Ryan to the airport, we talked about this, and I, I spent a lot of time, you know, I've probably spent three hours going over all this stuff, and I still have half of the conference to go through just because they give you so much information. Um 
but as you go through, you start flipping through and seeing Colorado's running backs ranked 8th. Meanwhile, Utah's running backs are ranked 7th. Utah's a good football team. They deserve the benefit of the doubt. But they don't have much for proven options. You know, they lost Zach Moss last year. They bring back Devin Broomfield, who had 59 carries with 263 yards, two touchdowns. Jordan Wilmore, 49 carries, 194 yards, one touchdown. It's four and a half yards a carry, four yards a carry. You read the blurb, and it says... The bad news, or the running back is another co- position where competition was ongoing, namely between uh, the two guys I just mentioned. Um, there are others coming in. They figure to play roles. And then it goes on to say, the bad news for the offense is the need to find a quarterback and running back. But the good news is there's no sh- pa- shortage of pass-catching options. They don't have much for options there. And they're ranked ahead of Colorado. Colorado has Alex Fontenot. Colorado has Ashad Clayton, Jaron Mangum. That is a very good group of running backs and one that I'm sure Darian Hagan wouldn't trade for what they have over at Utah. You know, you look at Cal at number six. And again, Colorado should be ahead of them. You know, I think Chris Brown uh, deserves a lot of credit. That is a very good running back. But I take Fontenot ahead of him. And then you have the upside that you get behind those guys. I mean, we're not overrating Fontenot. There's another page. Pac-12 returning leaders. Rushing. The leader in average per game, which is what everything is sorted by. Average yards per game. C.J. Verdell from Oregon with 87.1. Number two, Alex Fontenot at 79.5. Number three, Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State, 76.1. That's close. That's only three yards less. But then remember, Jamar Jefferson wasn't able to stay healthy last year and has 200 fewer total yards than Alex Fontenot. That's the debate to me. You know, C.J. Verdell is the best running back in the conference. Max Borgie is number two. Jamar Jefferson, you know, I I think that you could make the case because of what we saw the year before last, um, the potential for him to come back from the knee injury that he had that really limited him last year. That's the conversation, you know, is Alex Fontenot the number three, the number four in the conference? I don't know how this group gets ranked eighth. And that's the kind of stuff that frustrates me. Um, I If you want to tell me that Colorado is going to go one and eight in the Pac-12 play, you can make that argument. I disagree. I think that, you know, it's not necessarily because Colorado is better than three of the teams in the Pac-12 or four of the teams in the Pac-12, but because the bottom tier to me is so close with Arizona, UCLA, and Oregon State, and Washington State, and you know what? Even Stanford, I don't think you can put them in that conversation, but they've lost their identity. Like They 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 don't have much to go on. What what are their running backs ranked? 12th, the worst in, the worst in the conference, and that's what they do. They run the football, and sure, they have Davis Mills, but... Because they have David Shaw, because they do have a fairly recent history of success, I'm all right putting them in the tier above and saying, hey, maybe they're a, a, a C and these other teams are D, but these other teams, a couple of them might be D pluses, and Stanford for sure is a C minus. They are so close to going down, and you're willing to bump them up because of the coaching. <sighs> 
again, if you say that Colorado, the way things shake out, they only win one game in conference, I see your reasoning. But I think that these bottom tiers of teams, you know, there's a chance they beat UCLA, uh, like a very good chance, like we just mentioned. Uh, there's a, a very good chance they beat Washington State um, when Washington State goes to Boulder. Um, I think there's a good chance that when they go to Arizona, they win that game. They have these opportunities on the schedule, and I think that all of these bottom teams are very close to each other. And with all the uncertainty, you could see these all breaking tons of different ways. Um, so while I see 1-8 and eight and think, I think the odds are they win at least two games just because, you know, it's football. Weird things happen. The odds of things going that poorly are pretty slim. But I understand the logic. I can go with it until I see some of the other stuff they're saying, like that the Colorado running backs are ranked 8th. Um, you know, just to round out this running back discussion before we move on to some of the other stuff, uh, another interesting thought I had. So we've heard from Mitch Rodrigue, the new offensive line coach, about what he's going to change with this offensive line. Um, essentially, the key point is that they aren't going to be moving horizontally as much. They aren't going to be moving side to side. They're going to be getting upfield. They're trying to bully guys, push the defensive lineman back, get up to the second level, hit the linebackers, push them back. And what that does is create more of a... You need more downhill running. You you need running backs who say, okay, here's the gap between the two defensive linemen. The one offensive lineman between them, he's just charging upfield and hitting the linebacker. I am following him. You know, that's that's that thought process now. Um, a very Phil Lindsay style of running. Um and maybe a style of running that doesn't favor Alex Fontenot as well as it might favor Jaron Mangum, who you like the most when he gets the ball, charges ahead for three steps, and then hits a tackler just beyond the hole, in the hole, and starts pushing backwards. That's what a shot Clayton is too, where Alex Fontenot is a little bit bouncier, a little more patient, um, waiting to see something develop, and then hitting that hole and getting up to speed uh, quickly from there. I still think Alex Fontenot is like the clear number one going into the camp. Um, but again, things could shift. And I do think that this style of run game could benefit the other backs more um, just because of the way they fit. That's also kind of, that's a bunch of my thoughts and kind of guesses as to what's going to happen. Um, but I do think that that is an important conversation to be had. Um, you know what? Let's let's take a quick break here. Uh, talk Breckenridge Brewery before we jump back in. Um, Breckenridge Brewery, so incredible. I've got a cooler full of Breckenridge beers up on the deck, and that's how I'm going to be spending my afternoon. Um, you know, it's about 11 now. Got all the morning work out of the way. Now we get into the fun stuff, the podcast. After that, we write something once the brain is totally turned on we make sure you know you wait until the very last moment you put that at the back end of the day because there could be news at any point that changes to to be the story that you want to write and you don't want to have already like done something else and then have you to go go back and cover that that's beside the point but uh as i progress throughout my day those breckenridge beers that are sitting out there in the sun are getting closer and closer and closer and at this point I might only be three, four hours away. I might be drinking a beer here at 3 o'clock, and that would be pretty cool. 
pretty cool um, because they are so good. The Hot Peak IPA, um, I think I think that's going to be my go-to today. It's you you don't get bored of the Strawberry Sky, but the cravings for other beers will just kind of grow on you. You know, when I haven't been drinking a whole lot of beer during the quarantine, um, just because I'm more of like a social drinker and I haven't been able to be social. But that kind of built and built and built so that every time I just started like craving Strawberry Sky, craving Strawberry Sky, craving Strawberry Sky. Well, now I've had a few days drinking Strawberry Skies and they have been really good and they've lived up to the hype and I can drink more happily. But those Hot Peak IPAs are uh, just kind of calling my name at the moment. And that's going to be my plan for the afternoon. If you guys have been spending your uh, weekend or your quarantine or your summer really drinking Breckenridge beers, tag us in your pictures on Instagram and on Twitter just because we like to see what you guys are doing and what you guys are drinking. Um, I like, like, honestly, if you have, like, recommendations, like, fun things to do while you drink beer, that kind of stuff, too, because that's what you see. You're like, oh, somebody just tagged us in a picture of them floating down a river with a strawberry sky. Boy, does that look good. I want to go do that. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of see them all as suggestions, and I really like that. Uh, if you guys want to try some Breckenridge beers, though, um, you can go to Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits is south of Denver. They have a couple of locations down there. You can also check out the Breckenridge Beer Locator. It'll probably tell you, like, all of the liquor stores around you will have Breckenridge beers. All of the grocery stores around you will have Breckenridge beers. But you might not know what your options will be, whether it's the 15-can sampler, which I really enjoy, or whether it's the uh, Vanilla Porter Jr. And so if you just check ahead of time, you'll know what your options are, and you can plan your grocery trips accordingly. You know, there's there's grocery stores all over near where I live, and there's like four that are super convenient to get to. The ones that have the best bracket beers, not even the best, but the ones that I want to drink the most are the ones that I go to. It just makes it so convenient because I don't care about what brand of eggs they have or what brand of, I mean, to be honest, like what brand of cereal they have, what brand of frozen chicken tenders they have, um, what brand of, uh, oh, oh, like frozen fries that you can just throw in the air fryer and fry up because those are the things that I actually eat in my day-to-day life because I can't cook. That's, oh, maybe, maybe we need to have like a cooking DNBR show where you guys can teach me. No, that wouldn't work though because I need I need you guys to teach me how to cook. I don't know. Maybe we can make that work. Oh, we do have the kitchen at DNVR bar. There's no way we could convince them to let us use that for shows. Ah, maybe. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I want to learn how to cook, but I don't want to put the time in is the point. Um, but the even bigger point is that you should be drinking Breckenridge beers because they're very good. Um, and let us know if you do. And let us know how you're doing it or where or um, because that's all cool stuff. Um, I also want to tell you about DraftKings. DraftKings is the official betting partner of DNVR. Um, sports betting is legal in Colorado. Um, it's only been legal for a couple of months, but it is growing. I saw Darren Ravel tweeting like $25 million in bets were placed last month in Colorado. 
Um, I think it was Rovell. I just assume it's Rovell when it's something like that. Um, but the action is coming back, and you might as well take advantage of it. There are so many things that you can bet on, and do it through DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, America's top-rated sportsbook. There's going to be baseball next week. Um, Colorado will be taking the field in less than 10 days. We're so close. We're so close, and there's a bunch of other stuff too. You know, I'm pretty pumped that the NWSL knockout rounds are starting on the 17th, and it's it's going to be so much fun. I mean, you guys have watched tournament soccer before. Like, even if you aren't soccer fans, you've you've like tuned into a World Cup game, and this <laughs> this women's soccer league is just so much fun because they have all of the best players in the world packed into nine teams. It's it's like I. I support the MLS and like all of that and the work that they're doing to make that a premier league and I love it and Ryan and I were watching the Rapids game and we're very disappointed when they lost but it is really cool to see in America all of the top soccer players together playing high level playing physically playing fast and it's kind of like an all-star game except they care like it isn't an all-star game then you get into the tournament aspect of it, and it's it's just been wild. Um, plus, like, American soccer on the women's side is in such a great place. Like, they've won back-to-back World Cups. They're going to be right in it again the next one. They've won, what, three of the last six. They won in 99 as well. They are, like, the cream of the crop right now, and, like, it's almost, like, kind of a dynasty taking place if things go well the next couple of years, and we're getting to see the young players who are going to step into those roles they are going to be vacated by, you know, Megan Rapino. um, the Alyssa Nair might have one more World Cup in her, but who knows, the keeper, there, there are, there's a generation of player that is, kind of reaching the end of their international career, and there are a lot of young, fun players, including Taylor Korniak, coming up, competing for those spots behind them. Um, wow, that turned into a different rant than I expected. But but again, those have been fun. Golf has been fun. Tiger is playing starting Thursday. Hopefully you guys got in on uh, RK's Colin Morikawa bet. He said that he said Colin Morikawa like 40 times on Wednesday's DMVR bets, the day before the tournament started. Then Morikawa had a three-shot lead after the first round. Ended up going to three playoff holes at the end of the week. We were out on the golf course watching. Uh, I think RK said that he got 33-1 to odds on it. Watch that bet show, too, because uh, they've been giving good advice. The day before RK made the call uh, of Morikawa, Dre went 10-0 and and finished up 15 units. Like, they have just been so hot over there because there is real sports happening now. Um, yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. It's the top-rated sportsbook app um, in America. It's the official betting partner of DNVR. And if you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code DNVR when you sign up, for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Um, 
wow, those both just kind of turned into little rants that sometimes just happen. But uh, jumping back in. So it's that running back one at number eight that drives me crazy. You could make the case that they're fourth. You could not make the case that they're fifth. And I uh, am frustrated because, you know, as somebody who's been covering Colorado for a year almost, what? Wow, we launched we watched DMVR buffs, or I guess at that time it was BSN buffs. It was a relaunch of BSN buffs on, I think, was that July 24th? last year so that's like next week we're gonna have the anniversary that's pretty crazy um but yeah in that time like i have seen that there is a very real bias against colorado and the easy answer when when that comes up is just to say like who cares um just go out there and prove it and win your games and you'll be just fine but it is stuff like this where if you had this group of running backs, but they were wearing USC jerseys, they would be ranked third. If if they had come in and they were four-star, five-star recruits, then they would be like way up there because college football analysis is very heavily skewed um, based on those stars, based on um, the, the brand name schools. And against schools like Colorado that have struggled, they get hit for it too hard. Um, you know, just, just like moving along. So we've only talked about these running backs being ranked 8th, but they have Colorado last in three categories out of these seven categories. At quarterback, the situation is last. And again, uh, that's fair. You could make that argument, and I don't even know that I would argue that that isn't true because you have three unprovens competing for that starting job. You look at Washington State, that's who they have 11th, and I think you could make the argument that that could go either way. You know, their quarterbacks, they they lose Anthony Gordon. They've had... All of these quarterbacks every year, they've what that's three straight years with a new quarterback. They have a redshirt sophomore who was pretty highly recruited. Um, but they also have like a, a pretty highly rated quarterback coming in um, out of Honolulu, which is where uh, Nick Rolovich, the new head coach at Washington State, was coaching college football at Hawaii last year. So the two of them kind of came over together from Hawaii to Washington State. And you know what? That quarterback was ranked higher than Brendan Lewis. The The quarterback that um, is competing with him, the redshirt sophomore, is probably more highly regarded than Tyler Lytle. And so, sure, you can make that argument. Um you go through and look at like number ten, Oregon State, and they have like a JUCO athlete and the guy. And see, honestly, I swear I would make the argument just because like you look at how that quarterback battle at Washington State is shaping up. And again, you can kind of compare Lytle with the sophomore whose name I'm forgetting. You can compare the uh, you can compare Lewis with the freshman whose name I'm forgetting. And and you see that little bump for Washington State. But then you look at a team like Oregon State and. That, to me, is a lot tougher to give them the edge over Colorado. Um, they have that the Gabby guy, 
Junior. Haven't seen much of it all. Um, they also have a JUCO transfer, dual threat JUCO guy. Um, you know, and, and again, I think that all of this bottom tier is a bunch of unknowns and it'll all shake out. You know, you can say the same thing about Washington at nine after they lose Eason and they've been going through quarterbacks. Um, <sighs> sure, go with that. But then you get to the receivers and tight ends with Colorado ranked last. With Brady Russell, who I believe is one of the best. You know, Phil Steele released today, I think it was this morning. Yeah, it was this morning. All of his all-pack 12 teams. Um, and Brady Russell was third-team all-pack 12. So you have the number three tight end. If you're saying what? You have three receivers on the field and one tight end. There's the tight end at number three. Katie Nixon is your number one. You know, that that is one of the lower-tier number ones. What Mid to low. By, like, in that eight range, probably, that nine range. Especially when you look at some of the teams that really don't have any returning talent at these positions. You know, the Pac-12 is a very receiver-heavy conference. Um, there is a lot of good talent at that position pretty consistently. Um, but... I just think that you have to have faith in Colorado developing receivers because they've been so good at developing receivers. And they have guys like Daniel Arias who they single out as a potential star. Like, that is the rising star they picked from this entire team. You know, Mark Perry would have been a great option. Um, We don't have to dig through all the other guys who could have been in there. You know, Ashad Clayton could have been a great option. Brendan Lewis could have been. And that's just right there. Vontae Chenault could have been. But... They have so many guys to call Colorado dead last. Again, it's kind of like that one and eight thing where you're like, they don't, it's not, they shouldn't be in the top half, but dead last? <laughs> really? And then you get to the offensive line. It's like they are returning so many starters. That offensive line got so much better last year. They have Will Sherman, again, who, when you look, he was the on the fourth team from Phil Steele, which I think was a miss, although... He wasn't going to get top two with Penny Sewell, with uh, um, the guy from Stanford, Walker Little. But to put him all the way on number four, it, you know, it's another one of those where the break just went the wrong way. Um, I'm curious. I just pulled it up. Uh, oh, this doesn't have them listed by position. So that, that doesn't work. But, uh, yeah. Um, that's kind of where I get frustrated again to be dead last in quarterback and receiver and tight end and offensive line and eighth at running back. This offense isn't that bad. Like, like it just isn't. If you don't have a quarterback, could things just fall apart for sure? And that could be the case. But come on with these numbers. It's kind of mind-boggling and frustrating and honestly I didn't even see this until after I'd read through so much of the preview where I was like oh yeah and then you look at that and you're like you just told me all these things and ugh. um uh yeah let's just go through the rest of this kind of quickly you know defensive line eight I really 
like again, it's it's easy to pick Colorado low. They've been disappointing. But you have Mustafa Johnson, and that's one of your starters. Mustafa is one of the best defensive ends in the conference. Uh, heading back to this, they have him as a fourth-team defensive lineman. They also had Jalen Sami as a fourth-team defensive lineman. Those are two of your starters. Uh, and this is according to Phil Steele, these these teams. Um, I can flip over to this page, too. But um, outside of that, who's your third? Terrence Lang? That's not a bad third starter when you're starting three defensive linemen. There's still the chance Antonio Alfano's on this roster, even though I, I I don't like bringing that up because it does seem so slim. But with all that depth, this really is the eighth defensive line. That's just so hard to believe. Um, I'm looking for the names on here. Uh, not first team on defense. Uh, yeah, so they have Mustafa Johnson as a second-team All-Pac-12 or preseason. Um, they don't have Jalen Sami listed, but they only go through third-team. He probably would have been on the fourth-team, I'd imagine. So, again, eighth. I feel like I, there's so many ranges for all these. We look at that defensive line, and you could be like anywhere from fourth through eighth you could at least make an argument for, and they settle on eight. In the same way, like receivers and tight ends, that's probably like, 8 through 12. Running backs. It's like, uh, running backs, that's just bad. That's 3 through maybe 5 at the lowest, and they gave him 8. Quarterback, it's like 9 through 12, and they gave him 12. Uh, Linebackers. Again, Nate Landman, a finalist, one of the 91 best players according to, let's see, that's the Bednarik Award, best defensive player. He made the uh, preseason watch list. That puts him in the top 91, I think, defensive players in the country. His linebacking group, still number nine in, in the conference. And again, again, there are question marks. This isn't necessarily going to be a great group. I mean, Akil Jones, he looked good late in the season. Carson Wells, you like what you have there. They have guys who can play different spots and rotate in. They have some options. Nine is toward the bottom of that range too, though. Um, DBs. 11, I mean, you have Mark Perry. You have Darian Rakestraw, who's a guy you trust. You're happy with him as a starting safety. KJ Trujillo, Makai Blackman, who was the star of last fall camp. Chris Miller, uh, Dylan Thomas, who I don't think gets enough love. Um, Oh, Tariq Luckett, another one. Uh, But yeah, there's so many options. Nigel Bethel, who's finally going to be playing. Uh, They have so... Many guys. And again, this is another thing I talked about with RK yesterday where it's like, they're question marks. Sure. A lot of them are question marks. What exactly are they? But odds are, like, I would bet on most of them being, like, good players. And you only need, like, two of that group of five question marks to pan out to have yourself a good secondary. 11th? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I do think that that's important stuff to talk about just to see, because it really does show like, what is the national perspective? You know, let's dig past one and eight in the PAC 12, sixth in the PAC 12 South. Why is it that you believe that? And, and this is why, because they think that the buffs have the, uh, Worst quarterbacks group, the worst wide receivers and tight ends group, the worst offensive line group in the Pac-12. They have 
the second worst DBs group in the Pac-12. They have the fourth worst linebackers in the Pac-12. They have the fifth worst defensive line and running backs groups, and those are the best groups on the team. Um, I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. What is the best group on this team? Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. This is just frustrating. And uh, if you have any thoughts, as always, leave them in the comment section of the post today. We'll talk about it. Um, This didn't turn out to be fun. This was supposed to be more fun than it was. Um, We're going to talk about something just a little bit more fun um, in just a second after I tell you about all of our friends at WGT. So if you guys have been playing WGT, that's World Golf Tour, with us, then you know why we're so hyped about it. Because it's a great way for all of us to just play games with each other, especially at a time when there isn't much else for us to be doing. World Golf Tour is the most popular, most downloaded uh, golf game in the world. And there's a reason for it. It's it's such good quality. The it looks like the real golf courses that you're playing. It's like taking pictures, and and that part of it is just so nice because so many of those golf games just feel a little bit gimmicky. Even the ones that I've gotten for my Xbox, you're like, how have we not moved past what this looks like? Like we we surely can do better. But WGT does that. It does do better. And there's real world equipment. And like real world, all sorts of different stuff that makes it so much fun. And if you go to dmvrgolf.com, you can download WGT and you can play with us. And when you do that, you should join the DNVR Clubhouse. And that way you have access to all of our tournaments. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So go to dmvrgolf.com, download WGT, and come play games with us. Okay. So, uh, here's just a little thing that I noticed on social media that I figured would at least be fun to pass on because, uh, I, uh, I don't know, because this is fun to talk about. So, here's the thing. So, Sports Illustrated, uh, wrote... A story called, Could Jaguars LaVisca Chenault Approach These Team Rookie Records in 2020? And the story was basically like all of the rookie records and the odds that LaVisca breaks them. Um, obviously, they didn't get right because the odds for all of them should be 100% because it's Visca. Um, but after that got posted, Darren Cheverini uh, posted a link to the article with the tweet, would be very surprised if Visca doesn't uh, surpass all these records his rookie year. Dooland, uh, uh, so D- Count Dooland Photography, Tyler Dooland, uh, spends a lot of time with Visca, has made some cool stuff with Visca. You may have seen like his video like playing against Visca in Madden. He, uh, he responded to that tweet, and this was four days ago, kick returns, and then the shushing emoji. Um, then, after that, Visca liked the tweet he liked the tweet saying kick returns and then the shushing emoji um and that's interesting because you know it would make sense to put visca kick returner um it's a conversation that we were having around this time last year 
should should the Buffs play Visca at kick returner? And what we decided was, uh, like, I, I think where I came down was like, no, he shouldn't be your kick returner. You have guys who are good kick returners. But if you're down one score in the fourth quarter and the other team is kicking the ball off, you should probably put Visca back out there because that is an opportunity for a playmaker to make a play at a high leverage moment in the game. You know, if, if you're down two scores in the third quarter, the game feels like it's slipping away, the offense can't get much going, you need a spark, that's when you throw him back there. At the NFL level, he is now in a place where he isn't the best football player on the field. He might be by the end of the season, and he might be next season. Who knows? He has all the tools in the world to be that guy, but the truth is, until you prove it, you're not that guy. That's how football works. He hasn't proven it at the NFL level. That means he isn't that guy. He isn't seen that way, and it's not that he's exposable or disposable, exposable, uh, disposable in any way because he obviously isn't, but when you're trying to find ways to get the ball in his hands, there's one way to do it, and I would be surprised if they don't make him their kick returner because we saw what he did the one time he got to return a kick this season. He took it back, and he was one tackle uh, away from taking it to the house. That's like kind of a weird thing to say, you know, because that's how kick returns work. Like, oh, KD, if he just would have broken that one tackle, he would have taken it to the house. The difference is you expect Biscuit to break those tackles unless they're swarming, unless there's three guys on him, and that's going to still be true at the NFL level. He, uh, He's a guy who you do expect to uh, be able to make those plays if you put the ball in his hands. He only got to do it once. He did fumble. He got kind of blindsided, and that's the other thing. That's what happens when you don't get to do it consistently. You're not used to those angles. You're not used to having guys spread out like that, being able to chase you down from the outside if you run slowly. You're, everybody on that field on kickoff is an athlete. You know, your your slowest players are linebackers. There aren't three defensive linemen who, who you know like, okay, once I get eight yards downfield, they're out of the play. Once I get ten yards downfield maybe, there's no way, no matter what happens, that they're going to catch up and tackle me from behind. That's basically like three more defenders, especially when you play Visca's style, where, yes, he's fast, um, but that's like the fourth thing that you would list as one of his strengths. The first being like his, his, his strength, being able to break tackles, being able to run through guys, his, his vision, running with the ball, um, all of these different things. Um, getting a football and running isn't always the same thing. It, it is pretty similar, but in these kickoff situations, it's a little bit different. And I do think that if he had more opportunities, then you wouldn't see something like a fumble because you'd just be thinking, hey, yeah, sometimes you get run down from behind because it's all DBs and linebackers and they're offensive equivalents who can do about the same things. So I thought that this, that was kind of fun. I'm excited to see Visca. I think we're, we're once we get closer to football season, we'll probably talk a little bit about Visca too and where he fits in in that offense and what to expect from him because he does have the potential. I mean, he has, I don't know, for, for being drafted in the second round, he has massive rookie of the year potential. And with, with two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, I guess, taking taken highly, that's going to be tough to surpass. But we've seen what he can do, and he's going to be moving around. You know, 
it's not just receiver and kick returner. It's receiver, kick returner, running back, fullback, H-back, tight end, uh, wildcat quarterback. He is going to be all over that formation. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. So that's going to do it for today. Uh, I didn't check the comments today, but I'll get into those tomorrow, I believe. And uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. If you guys have thoughts on any of these rankings, on the Pac-12, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that you have thoughts on these, where Athlon Sports ranks these position groups. I'm sure you have thoughts on the Pac-12's decisions to cancel non-conference play and to do it now. To say that this is the time, we need this time to plan, we waited long enough. Um, and maybe you have some thoughts on Visca too. Is, is it dangerous for them to be putting Visca back there? I don't know. Um, but f- as always, really appreciate when you guys uh, have something to say or have some questions, whatever. Anything you want to talk about, I am here for it. Um, at least for you know another month or so before things really start gearing up if all goes well. Um, That's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with more, and I appreciate all of you for listening. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag.